So this, this whole year, we've been going through the fruits of the spirit. And this month, we're in our, um, we call our love month. Uh, we cover love husband, we cover behind the bedroom door, we cover communication with our husbands. And then we're going to spend this week talking about loving our children. And, um, you know, if you're a mom, you know, that kids have a special pull on our hearts, don't they? And it's, it can be a very, very um, rewarding and yet a very taxing thing that we do in our lives. And we certainly want to do it as Christians. We want to do that in a Christ-like way. We want to raise our children in a way that honors God and that teaches them about him. Um, and uh, the fruits of the spirit we've been talking about in Galatians 5 are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And our pastor said something this week that really struck me. He said, um, you know, the Bible, we just read verses and we don't look for Jesus in those verses and, and his presence in the word. All we have is legalism. And without the Holy Spirit and without Jesus, without knowing, without having a saving faith of Jesus Christ, this is all just legalism. And you can try your little heart out and you will never, none of us will ever succeed in, in um, honoring God without his spirit. Because why? Because we're sinful. And that's built in. And you know what? Your little ones are in that same spot. They're sinful. So it's a big job, big job. Um, so if you want to go back and learn a little bit more about um, the Holy Spirit, you can listen to the first lesson of the season in, fall, in the fall and review that because it's really, really important to understand how to, how to stay filled with the Spirit as a Christian. And in, in a nutshell, God forgives us at salvation, but we continue to sin and we need to continue to confess those sins to him. And, he, and that Spirit is renewed in us. So. Um, in Titus 2, 3 through 5, which is the overarching, you know, we're called Christian Women's Bible Study, but we are totally focused on Titus 2. So everything we teach, no matter where we are in scripture, has to do with encouraging us as moms um, and wives and Christians. So um, we do stay on that topic, and I'm very thankful for it because I think most of us don't have a lot of training. I know I didn't. And so uh, one of the tenets of Titus 2 is to love our children. Titus 2, 3 through 5, the children's version. Mamas, be good examples of a good and right life, so that your children may see that you are sound-minded, that you love their daddy, that you love them, that you are wise and self-controlled, that you are pure in thought and deed, that you love the home they live in, that you want to be there, take care of it and make it safe for them, that you are kind, that you treat their daddy as the head of the home, see that they see truth, that they see the example of what is right and trust in God's word. Isn't that sweet? That'd be worth framing, don't you think? <laughs> you know, today's culture makes being a mom seem really scary, doesn't it? So much going on out there. There's good news. We're here because we believe in the good news. Um, we could go Monday, the CDC released a study talking about that the majority of teenage girls feel sad, like overwhelmingly sad. And um, I listened to Albert Muller on, because he was speaking about it, but it, 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 that, that report showed up in Wall Street Journal, in the New York Times, in all the big um, newspapers all, um, across the land. 
you know, with our, everybody up in arms and it is alarming. But you know what? Teenage girls are emotional. You know, teenagers, boys tend to struggle with too much testosterone if you have one, you know what I mean? And girls tend to deal with all these emotions. And that's not unusual per se. You know, that's ever since that word adolescence comes from the Greek language way back. That's always been the fact that adolescents struggle that they're emotional. And throughout history, there's been times when girls like think of the Salem witch trials. What was that? That was emotion and hormonal. And it was not witches. That was girls involved in emotional trauma. And so Albert points out the fact that this, uh, this report has been in the last, since 2011, this feeling of sadness has gotten worse proportionally every year. So that was 2011. What happened in 2012? Cell phones, smartphone, access to social media, all this comparison thing that goes on, all the world's news at you. So, Every year, kids get sadder because they're exposed to these things that they cannot handle. And the main point that he made that I want to reiterate is, he was talking about the fact that um, this, this gender confusion is not confusing to God. There's male and there's female. But as long as we play into that as a culture and we continue to build on that, we cannot be a happy society. You cannot go away from God's creation, God's created order, and find happiness. And we have opened the door to this painful, um, you've already got a painful time of adolescence, and now you've opened the door, floodgates of, there's no, there's no solid foundation to land on. And they don't even know where they're going, and they're just sad. They don't know what's right and wrong. They're sad. We can't, the farther we get away from God's word, the sadder we will be as a society. So what is the answer? A lot of that answer has to do with children and raising our children well. And that's not to say none of us will have to go through this with our children. Um, but God's word does not change. And his answers and his word does not change. And we can be confident that if we follow his ways, that that, that will be honored. That doesn't guarantee our children, will, they're not cookie cutters. You can't put them in one in and out and come out one way or the other. Anybody who has, has more than one child, you know that. So that's, that's not the point. But we are to be faithful in what God has given us as moms. And that's what I want to talk about today. And we can be assured that if we follow his way, that he's going to be with us there every step of the way. Um, his word is not outdated. <laughs> it's not antiquated. It doesn't change. What does it say in Revelations? You know, woe to anybody who changes the word of God. We don't get to just make it up. He's told us what the created order is and what it looks like and what the purposes are. And I had this illustration already. I hope I can get through it. Um, I've been thinking about this this week. My daughter Katie's also a pilot, and um, they take their instrument ratings. And so you spend all this time. I don't think my brain can handle it. It's a lot of math and instrument reading and maps and stuff. And so you learn how to fly your plane, right? And you should be able, once you know how to fly that plane well, you should be able to fly that plane without your eyes, just with the instruments. And that's your instrument rating, right? So do we have our instrument rating with God's word? Can we believe God and trust God no matter what's going on around us? 
No matter how bad the storm looks, we need to stay focused on the instrument that we have, which is God's word. We need to trust him that he is going to hold us tight. So I have four C's for you today. Not that they're the only C's or the C's, but just a way to remember. <laughs> a little hook for you. So the first thing we want to do as, mom, as mamas be Christ-like. We need to have a tender affection. In Titus 2, it tells us to love our children means that we are soft and delicate. We are soft-hearted. We're kind. We're sympathetic. That, however, does not mean we're a pushover. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, but our children should be, feel loved. They should feel cherished. They should know that we think that they are precious. They are not an imposition. They're not in our way. Not that you don't have your moments, you know, you're trying to get out the door or whatever. But in general, you're really, really glad to be that child's mom. What a gift that is to give to a child. And the antonym to love children is despised, detested, disliked, hated. Does your kid ever feel like, I just can't win, my mom just doesn't like me? They should never feel that way. And if you've done something to do that, then to make them feel that way, then you need to ask forgiveness from God and from your child. So um, let's just look real quickly. I'm going to have a couple of big passages. I'm not going to read them all to you. And, and there are notes in back if you didn't get them. And there's verses in there I won't read to you, but I hope that you'll go home and really spend some time thinking. I know you're really busy, but you know the worksheets are not that hard. It's a few verses. Even look up one of the verses and just dwell on it all week. So let's just start with... Um, uh, the love I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Because I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I, although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mount, remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, and is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. So, ladies, you're going to mess up. You're going to be on the top end of that verse, and you're going to mess up. We all do. But if my child knows I love them, if I if I confess to them, if I apologize, you know, kids are very resilient and very forgiving. And that model of forgiveness and asking forgiveness is a Christ-like um, attribute that you can model for your children so we can love our children we can pray for our children and we should pray for our children what kind of things do you pray for your children well you can pray just about everything for your children you know for their for their lot in life for their spouses coming up for their vocation for their you know we, i think a lot of times nowadays we pray for their safety you know that god would protect their heart and soul and mind but God, in Luke 8, 1, God tells us to pray and not lose heart. As long as there's life, ladies, there is hope. As long as there's life, there's hope for change, for accepting the Lord. We don't ever give up on anybody. First Thessalonians, we should pray without ceasing. 
that's a lot. You know, you can you can multitask too. You know, you fold in socks or you're washing dishes or whatever. Driving, driving is a great time to pray. As long as you're watching the streets too. <laughs> Make you a little sign up there. Philippians 4, 8 says, um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why does that protect your heart? Because you let go. Because you understand in that by reciting that verse and meditating on that verse that you actually have no control, but God does. So it kind of feels like a dilemma, doesn't it? It's like we have this responsibility and these things to do, and yet we have to let go to God. Sometimes it can get a little bit confusing, I have to admit. So we should have a Christ-like example because our children live what they learn. Am I faithful? Am I faithful? I think that means I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Do I feel convicted of something? Should I not be doing something? Should I be doing something? You know, I need to be listening to that small voice of God. And I do that by prayer, by reading my Bible. And I can have faithful friends who are honest. I heard somebody this morning, oh, I heard Jackie say, she was talking about a friend. I don't even know who she is. I love her because she's honest with me. <laughs> you know, we don't need somebody to say, oh, you're so wonderful, la, la, la. Because we know we're not. We know we have... We need somebody to be honest with us so we can see ourselves as we are. Or maybe we just don't, maybe it's ignorance or maybe it's, maybe it's intentional. But whatever it is, a friend that will tell you the truth. I um, thought of one example this week. Um, everybody I know, say, well, probably not you guys, but a lot of people I know, even Christian people are watching this TV series, cable series. And oh, how wonderful it is. All these people are hooked on it and they can't wait and say, blah, blah, blah. So Rose and I tried to watch it once and somebody said, oh, you just got to watch it again. It gets better and it doesn't stay like there was some questionable content. And so, okay, we'll try it one more time. And I looked at myself, I can't do this. You know, I, I, but in my mind, I think, well, these other Christian people do it. I, I, but it was convicting. So we decided we wouldn't watch it anymore. But, you know, am, am I faithful, especially in front of my children? So what if my children knew I was watching that show? You know, uh, what if they saw me watching or heard me talking about it? And yet I tell them they can't watch this or that. You can't watch Friends, <laughs> but I can watch this, you know, just because I'm an adult, I can watch um, trash. No, so we need to guard our hearts and minds as well. Or I tell my child, you can only have one hour a day on Facebook. And every time she walks by, I'm checking in on something or posting something or, you know, um, I'm involved in social media, too. But I can't I can't control myself. But I want my child to. So we need to be accountable to, for how we spend our time, and especially in front of our children. But remember, we're always in front of God, right? So I wanted to um, turn to Ephesians 4, 29. You know, there's just some wonderful passages of scripture I will tell on Sheila. Sheila comes in often with a note card of a uh, verse that she's memorizing for the week, and it's always kind of crumbly and wadded up, so I know she's been, <laughs> I know she's been using it. It's not like all fresh. And... Um, so it's, it, that encourages me. And then she, whatever she reads always tends to bless me. But I, I think, um, you know, just remember I, picking one of these verses that speaks to things you struggle with, like we talked about last week, will really help um, instill that truth in our hearts and in our minds. So I was going to read Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. I encourage you to read the entirety of that chapter and even the whole book when you get home. But it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, 
by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away, be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. It just seems like there's times at home, ladies, that we don't feel like it applies as much. At home. Well, this is me. This is the real me. You just got to put up with it. No, but this should be our goal in our home more than anywhere else because we have the most impact and the most influence when we're at home. And this part about grieving the Holy Spirit, that's dampening him. That's putting a wet rag over him. That's pushing him out of your life. And we have that same concept in Titus 2 where it talks about you know, loving our husband and our children and, and being sober-minded and workers at home. Doing those things that the word of God is not blasphemed. We are walking out in front of our family, our friends, our culture, and they need to see Christ reflected in what we do. And the way we know what those things are is we look in his word. I think I've said that six times. I guess I need to say it again. I sound like your mother this morning. But, you know, so, you know, you can think about it in your task at home. Let's say a kid gets in trouble. Are you glad to catch him in their trouble? Oh, I caught you, little stinker. Or are you brokenhearted for them? You know, am I seeking vengeance, seeking to get even, seeking to straighten that kid out? Or do I have this sympathetic, empathetic heart that wants to train this child and pull him out of that? Am I merciful or tender? You know, it's just, it's, sometimes it's hard to know, know how to be. But I know that my attitude can always be right. I'm not going to always get things right, but I can always check in with the Lord about my attitude. And he'll speak to my heart in that. So that's the first fee, living a Christ-like presence in front of your children. Nobody uh, sees hypocrisy like our children do. I mean, they're right there under our nose. I mean, they see it all. You can't put one over on them. You may think you got them fooled, but they know. Number, the second C is commitment to our husbands. Now, we've been talking about that all month, so we're not going to park here long. Um, but in Ephesians 5.22, if you question, um, it talks about the order of the family. Now, back there on that table is another handout. I didn't bring one to show you, but it's a it's an umbrella. And under that, under that umbrella is verses, and it's it's basically verses about order and authority. Okay, so God over the family, husband over the wife and children, wife over the children, and children under the, the whole canopy. But God does want order. And we are, as Christian women, called to obey our own husbands. And you know what, ladies? It doesn't matter if I'm smarter. It doesn't matter if I'm wiser. You know, there's going to be times he's going to delegate to you and say, I just don't have facts, Jennifer. You know, or I, like, I don't know. You decide. I, you know, I don't have the brain with right now to, to figure this out, but I trust you to do that. And that's perfectly awesome. Um, I will tell you when the kids, we had six kids, you know, and um, there was times when he was so busy, he couldn't help me. And I really wished he could have. It's really important to have both sides. We need the husband's viewpoint and the wife's viewpoint. You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't always, it's not the same in every family. You know, the one that's more centered on justice and, and making sure the kids follow the rules. And then one that's generally more merciful and a little more tender. But you need those things to come together. You know, those, those things come together to represent who God is, who Christ is to our children. And if you don't have a husband and you have children at home, if you're a single mom, in other words, you know, God can step into that role. And he does and he will. But it's not, it's not what he, it's not that order that we were looking for, that God's looking for. I had a friend um, 
when I was homeschooling, she wanted me to do something with her. And I said, well, you know, Rosie doesn't think that's a good idea. And she said, well, what does he know? <laughs> I was like, a lot. <laughs> you know, it's like um, she was trying to pull me out from underneath his authority. So we have to be careful about that. And even our culture, you know, is trying to get out from underneath the authority. I heard this week one of the Baptist conventions had pulled out a couple of the churches, you know, taken out of underneath the umbrella of their church because they had elected to accept alternate marriages, not just man and wife. You know, we have this whole culture of people who think it's okay to step out from under, that we don't need to be under authority, but God calls for that. So we have to be careful about not thinking we're too smart. And you know what, ladies, we don't even have to agree with our husbands. And a lot of times we won't. And if you differ, I suggest that you do that behind closed doors and come to a conclusion that you can accept together. And that way you can prevent, present a united front in front of your children. That's a much better scenario than, than waiting till he leaves for what I'm saying. Now, I don't agree with your dad. You go ahead and do that. And I won't. Don't let yourself be in that position. Because then what do you do to your child? You teach them to be disrespectful. So our actions matter. Sometimes we can't see the full ramifications of those things, but they go far. We're not to undermine him. And, and can he trust you? The more we you know, are, are as one, the more he will trust us. But we need to teach our kids to respect dad's work, what he provides. And what, is, what does it mean to respect dad's work? Well, we can thank him for going to work. We can respect the fact that he's tired when he comes home. We can do things for him. And we can also not complain about what we don't have, right? And then we can take care of what we do have. You know, dad works hard. Mom does too sometimes. And the things that are purchased and brought in the home should be taken care of. They're, they're not a right. They're a privilege. So those things are really important. So that was um, to be Christ-like mom, commitment to father. And then the next one I want to talk about is correction. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect, shall not much more readily be in subjection, we not be more readily in subjection to the Father of spirits and live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful in the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what does that tell us about um, being disciplined? That we should welcome it. What does that mean? That means we're a child of God. If, you know, I'm not chasing your child down, <laughs> you know, and trying to discipline them, that's your job. And so if, if God is trying to get my attention and chasten and discipline me, that means I'm his child. That's a good thing. And so we shouldn't be afraid of it and we should be teachable and willing to change and moldable like that pot of clay that God calls us to be. So if we're teachable, then our children will more likely be too. I do think correction is kind of something we've gotten away from as a society. You know, the fact that you would impose your will on a child is like, oh man, but that's actually what God calls of us. He calls us to teach our children to be respectful. Uh, I think some of us have a wrong perception of what um, disciplining a child looks like. It is not punishment. It's not making a child pay for a sin he's committed or, or transgression. Discipline is turning that child in another direction, right? Teaching them to go a different way. And sometimes that involves consequences. And sometimes that can be done with just training. 
but whatever the case, it's not, you know, not just punishing a child for the sake of, hey, they did something wrong. So I want to talk just a little bit about how important it is for children to be respectful. In 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, it talks about the fact that men who are to be, want to be an authority in the church need to have their children under control. Well, who does that fall on? A lot of that falls on us, right, as, as the moms. So we need to teach our children respect. And a story that should resonate with everybody is a story in 1 Samuel 3.13 about Eli, the priest, who allows his sons full reign and never disciplines them for breaking the law, the spiritual laws, and cheating on um, sacrifices and things. And it cost him dearly. It cost him his sons. But uh, you know, God does not take that lightly. You know, to laugh at a child's disobedience, it's, it's really not a good idea. It's not cute. There's a lot of cute things about kids you can laugh about. Disobedience and disrespect is not one. There's three, I think there's kind of three things, three styles of parenting that moms kind of fall into. The first one probably doesn't apply to any of you guys. <laughs> and it's um, neglectful. You know, I to be neglectful means that you're not really interested in the physical, mental, or spiritual care of your child. It leaves the child to themselves. And no kid should be left. What does God say? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Right. So no, no child should be left to themselves. You'd be really careful about not being a good. So I would think, though, that some moms maybe just don't understand how important being a mom is. Maybe they didn't have um, a role model. Maybe they didn't understand how important it is. So um, not to be judgmental about that, but it is an important role, not one that we can just ignore. One of the most important things we can do as a as a um, as a mom is to be teachable ourselves. So I kind of skipped through there, but neglectful is one type of parenting. Permissive is the other. I have neglectful, permissive, and too strict. So we're going to kind of work our way through those. So being too permissive, it comes with over-empathizing with our kids. And it also comes with wanting to be our kids' friends. You know, we care too much about what they think. Um, may, maybe sometimes a permissive mom may discipline, but maybe sometimes maybe she looks the other way. She's not accountable for herself or her children. Um, she doesn't understand the value of discipline. Um, she doesn't understand sin, forgiveness, and repentance. And we put kids at risk if we don't train them, if we're just too permissive. Or if mom is too strict. What makes us too strict? Well, sometimes fear, right? Sometimes, um, well, I don't want my child to embarrass them. Maybe it's, you know, it's about me. And the, the signs of being too strict would be Criticizing, you know, trying to control a child with criticizing, trying to shame them into getting what you want from them. Maybe helicoptering over them, trying to control everything that they do. Maybe it's a silent treatment or being harsh. All those things are signs of being too protective. And you know what? It doesn't do the child any good. It doesn't foster a sense of, of independence or of self-motivation. If I'm constantly hovering over this kid and correcting them and criticizing, what will happen? They're going to stop trying. And they don't learn to thrive and grow. So we cannot be too hard. And it may actually build a sense of, create a sense of failure and, or condemnation. Like, man, I'm, I'm just not good enough. I'll never measure up. So all those things, I think, you know, you may not fall all in one category, but maybe you're a mixture of those, of those kind of things. So let's talk about the effective mom. So an effective mom teaches respect from an early age. And know this. Your children won't respect, uh, they won't learn from who they don't respect. So what does that mean? That means we have to decide what the rules are. 
We have to let the kids know what it is and we have to follow through. It is serious business, right? It's not fair for us to not let the kids know what the rules are. But I will tell you something. When the kids are little, they don't need to know why the rules are what they are. And it's best if they don't. It's nothing sadder than watching a mom trying to argue with an 18 month old about why, you know, why, 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 you know, and explain over and over and over again, the child has no capacity to understand. So it's really important to just, let them, they need to understand one thing, mom said, no, no, you don't touch that plate. Because electricity comes all the way from this big generator, it comes through your wall, and if you touch it, it might kill you. That doesn't matter. All that matters is don't touch socket, right? So just get down to the basics. Um, you know, if you like to give choices when they get dressed in the morning, give them two choices, two, two outfits to choose from, not 30, you know, make it manageable for the child. And as they grow, then you can fill in the blanks of why this, why this is that and this is that. And they and as they get older especially as teenagers, they will need that. They will need to know. Um, I found something that Carol Jones gave me. Reams of notebooks, and I love them. It's all got her little handwriting in there and sticky notes. And um, she had this lesson in here from a, a Rev Bradley out of California, and I've never heard of him, but I looked him up, and I think he's retired. But he had lots of great books in there. He talks about the fact that important to have control because it gives security to children. Children won't learn what they won't respect. So do you even recognize respect? So here's some ways to recognize respect. Um, your child knowingly disobeys the commands you've given them. They correct you. And maybe you think that's fair, but it's not. They sass you. They talk back to you. They call you a name. Those are not funny, ladies. Those are disrespectful. They're not allowed. Yelling for you to come in to them. <laughs> You're on the phone. They're on the back. No. And just a couple more things from Dr. Uh, Pastor Bradley here. He says, don't make threats right? Just here's the consequences, do it. If you don't stop it, I'm going to, no. I've, you know, if you've, done, you've told them they disobey, then you confront it right then. Did, did mom tell you to, to clean up the room? Yes. Did you do it? No. Do you know the consequence? Yes. You know, just work right through it. No arguing, no trying to convince them. Don't justify your instructions. Don't explain. And that's when they're little, okay? And as they get older, you can let go of, of that and start explaining things and letting and teaching them so that they can uh, make good decisions. Or don't distract or trick your child. Oh, I hate that. Don't distract them. Them grumbling about the decisions you made or rolling their eyes or taking a deep breath. All those things are disrespectful and they should not be allowed, right? And also um, they should, the first time you say it, do you know you can negatively train your child? You know, if you allow them to get away with things once, twice, and maybe the third time you really mean it, you know what a kid learns? I don't have to obey mom until she said it for three times or till her voice gets to this level or until she picks up her paddle, whatever it is, or until she pulls away from what she's doing. So all those things um, are part of it. And you have to teach your children they're responsible for their own actions. Okay. And when a child is little, you know, a little pop on the butt is all it takes. That little meaty part of the thigh, you know, that's not mean. What does God say about physical discipline? He says it drives foolishness far from a child. Now, as a kid gets older and can rationalize, then it's time to put that down and start talking about reasoning and, and building in consequences and boundaries for them. But Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Okay, so we had Christ-like, 
we had committed to husband. Correction, thank you. Inconsistency is the last one. You know, if something's wrong, if it's on the list, you know, on your family rules, it's wrong whether you're tired or not. It's wrong whether it's the end of the day or not. It's wrong whether you have company or not. It's, you know, being consistent is what teaches your children respect and teaches them to trust you. And ladies, that's a lot of work. You know, what does it tell us in Deuteronomy 6? You know, as we, it tells us to train our children. Well, that's part of the training. As you walk along the way, when you rise up, when you lie down, it's not a part-time job. And I know ladies work outside the home. I'm thankful I didn't have to when my kids are little, but I tell you, it is a full-time job. You know, if you if your kids split between several authorities, then they're, they're going to learn two sets of rules. And if, if the other one agrees with yours, that's that's fine. But if they don't, you're going to have some undoing to do. Or with split families, when you have a couple sets of parents, that's really hard. I'm not saying it's impossible and God can overcome all those things. I'm telling you what his word says about family. I think that was about it, just being that consistency. So I have something really special for you guys. I have a testimony. I'm going to call Ms. Joan Haldman up here. And Joan, I'm going to have you just tell us a little bit about yourself because a lot of, maybe some of the new ladies, especially the Zoom ladies, really haven't met you. But Joan has been at Christown for a very long time, and I call her my cheerleader because uh, because she is. <laughs> hey, Joan. Centuries. I've been coming for centuries. Oh, centuries. I think that's decades, <laughs> not centuries. I'm going to get from behind you so you can have okay. a you going to stay here? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. But you just tell us a little bit about you, like how, you, how you're married. And... I have been married as of last Sunday, 47 years. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And who would have thought it? <clears throat> I thank gosh. Found Chris Town. A uh, friend brought me here. I lost a <clears throat> baby and I was pregnant. Uh, excuse me, I lost a, a two-year-old and I was pregnant and she brought me to this wonderful place where they loved you and they taught you about Christ and nurtured you. And I met Naomi, who has looked a lot like my mother, redheaded and kind and wonderful. And <clears throat> I've never stopped coming since. And it's literally saved my marriage, saved my children, saved me. And then it goes on and on, knowing wonderful friends. And uh, loving the Lord and walking the way he wants us to walk. So I'm still blessed by all these lovely, wonderful people here. And thank you for the teaching. We can always learn. And um, my mind was kind of sticky. We, when I was young, we had eight kids in our family. And uh, my, my father was more of a disciplinarian, but he was kind and nice. My mom was like I did, a little bit loose on the ends. And uh, too nice. So my husband is sort of like my father, you know, has discipline and he was great in helping me. And it's great in my um, staying married, staying married. I mean, there's times in marriage that you're angry or you're disappointed or you're discouraged. You don't even feel like being married. And, you know, I've gone through that and I know everybody has those feelings. But thank gosh for Chris Town because it gives you them. The meaning of staying together, and then when you have your children, my goodness, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to have two of you. It's just, I, I feel bad for people that don't, and I understand their their anguish and us. They have to have a lot of strength, and I encourage them. And but it is not easy. If you can try to work out the things that we teach in Christian, you can stay married and uh, work through things, and that would be the best choice of all, if that 
because we marry them and we love them, but we just get turned away from things in the world and it's just easy to fall off. And the Lord doesn't want that. If, if that is you right now and you're thinking of that because you're disappointed or you're discouraged, I encourage you to keep listening here. Um, do what it's do what it asks, do what God asks, obey him, pray to him, be kind, and uh step out there and be the change because you're the one that's learning it. So I hope you, you keep coming and listening to Christian because it's a lifesaver. Naomi was uh such a wonderful lady, and she had a lot of humor too. She and her husband, she raised her children, and she had four children also. And so she was always encouraging me and telling me, Oh, I know I look like your mother because she had red hair. My mother had red hair, and she was just such a wonderful lady. You couldn't, could not like that couple. They were so when I parented them, I was kind of soft on the stricter part. I was loving and fun, but my, you know, if you don't add the other parts, then you have that loose sense, then they don't listen to you as well. So my husband was better on those parts, especially when they became teenagers. We live on a ranch, so we always had a lot of work to do, so we do work. But my husband kind of took over when they were teenagers, and he goes, okay, so your mom's not doing this in the morning anymore. You're out there, and you're doing it, and I'm driving, and I'm going to make sure you do it. And so my husband was the great uh worker uh, of keeping those boys to task and I was grateful and then teenagers are hard they're lovable they need lots of encouragement they need lots of compliments they need to know you believe in them they need to know you love them even if and uh keep God in there and teach them they're, there's teachable moments all the time when you're driving them to school when you're out doing things when you're having fun with teachable moments and they'll listen to you if you have some teachable moments with fun so i want to encourage that to do things fun with them too because it's easier to learn when you have to talk about sex put teenager put them in the car they look forward and you're looking forward they don't want to be looking at you they'll listen and act like they're not listening but you know that's so that's a was a really good thing to learn because you are going to have to talk about that and what that means and what that can be and where that can go. And there's plenty of times in taking them somewhere in a car. So it's a good suggestion from Naomi. Um, <clears throat> so my husband, when they were teenagers, he was, uh, we didn't, we didn't obviously you don't spank teenagers and ground them or whatever. My husband had, he had a better, he had an excellent idea. It was push-ups. So if they had smart, smart mouth, or they're not going to do that. He goes, okay, down for 20. So then they go 20. Not changing. 20 more. 20 more. One time. So uh, I'm sure yours won't get that far. But uh, discipline is really important, but then also is love. You've got to talk to them. And sometimes teenagers don't act like they're listening to you, but they are. And they're watching you. And they watch you forgive. Give your husband in your home. They watch you when we cry, when we toddlers, they're always listening. So, you know, you want to be the right person. And I know that you ladies are here because you want to listen and hear the truth. And God's word is the truth. And I and I pray that you will pick up your Bible every day. And if you don't know where to go, start in the Psalms and the Proverbs to help you get through the day and get through life. And it is a savior, and your savior will help you. So I mostly, number one, encourage that. Stay in the Bible and stay with your Christian friends that we're, we're going to tell you the truth. 
And it is the Great Commission. When you have children, you, you want to raise good children. There's nothing better. And it doesn't mean when they go off the track that they're, they're bad, you know, especially even harder for you than raising teenagers today. There's so many confusing, they say truths, but they're not truths. And I try to talk to my grandkids all the time. I try to encourage them with compliments. They're true. And I try to tell, you know, always let them out know I love them. And I always pray for them. So that's something don't deny that. That is so powerful to pray for your children. And sometimes it might take two years for something to come about, but don't quit praying. Really encourage you to do that. And you stay in the word for strength, you and your husband. And if your husband is not a believer, you stay in for strength too and still be good to him and kind to him and encourage him because he might be the only Jesus he sees. So if we are that, Jesus will give you that heart and that kindness and that wisdom when to do that, how to do that, and uh, teach you to read love your husband. Sometimes we fall out of love with our husbands. I did that. I, I feel bad now that I just, you know, the way we are as women, we think we look at the faults and we forget all the good. So that can happen more than once in a marriage. So it's, it's imperative that you try to compliment your husband, try to encourage him because he's got a tough job out there in the world, in the work. And then worries maybe sometimes what's going on at home if this is this child's doing this the money's not there all those things so give him a break be kind and loving and physically loving it changes a man's whole demeanor if you can be physically even if you don't want to want to eat you want to uh, share and that will make a difference because men take that very personally. And so do women, of course, but it just does something to their soul. So I would encourage you, if you're even having those troubles, try to love your husband in a physical way and mentally and speaking kind words. On the, with the children, um, I always like to uh, redo a, a way of uh, encouraging them to do their chores. When they're small, you can do this. They like to do games and things. So what we used to do is you know, make all the the jobs on a little piece of paper and then everybody gets to pick one and then they get to pick two and they go, oh, I go, I have to sweep the kitchen. Oh, easy. And this one's got, I have to mop it. And they can trade and they don't even think it's work. So it works for young kids all the way up to teenagers. And that's a good little uh, tip that we learned in my family. Your husband also should, can and should be involved because they can learn such a different side of work from, the, from your husband as you can't, they can from you. So, and you come about it differently. So it's it's a good family growth thing too. And everybody has to work. So you need to, that's just part of society. And if you don't work, you don't eat in the reality, but they don't know that. But we wanted to teach them to be good workers, teach them to love the Lord, teach them to be good workers, teach them to respect people and uh, don't give up on them. And I know some, some have had marriages that have gone down because of hurt and pain and all of those things. And I'm, I'm speaking to those moms and those dads. My heart is with you. I do not judge that. I understand. I just sorry that you had to have harder boat to row. As long as there is life, we need to encourage, telling our children that we love them and we believe in them and that we, we know they're going to do okay. 
even if they're not doing what they should. You can encourage, encouragement does give courage to be better. So I would, in this world of these kids with the drugs, it makes me very frightened because I've seen it. I have brothers that died from it. It's very real. It's very scary for parents, to, for grandparents to know their children are messing with that or they're on it. It's really scary, but you got to just keep telling them you believe in them, you love them, they're going to get you're going to get over this and speak positive into their life. And it's not outdated to pray for your children. It's not outdated. And please keep reading your Bible and being encouraged that the Lord is real. and He cares and he loves your child. He gave you that child. And uh, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Speaking to yourself that you can do this. Um, pray when you're driving. The kids know you can pray. Of course, you can keep the right uh, eyes on the road, but you can pray out loud while you're driving, or have one of them pray, and they'll they'll remember all these things too when they get older. And uh, hopefully, they'll turn to prayer. Maybe for a while they don't. Sometimes kids go all the way the other way. And you feel like you did the you didn't quite succeed in teaching them about the Lord, but that's not true. That's the evil one talking to you because if you if you teach them, even if you teach them and they didn't know somebody that they never heard anything about Jesus, you can encourage them as a young person, maybe a friend of your kids, you can teach them because the Lord's word is real. You know. All right. So lost it. I want to tell you. Covering being a positive mom, and even if your husband's not positive, you be positive. It's so much more pleasant. It makes everything, it makes you raise your children well. Um, be sympathetic. If, if they come home from school and they're being you know, treated, maybe they're not being treated bad, but they took it bad. Be sympathetic to them and, you know, listen to them. They love it. If you listen to them, it's almost like they solve their own problem, even teenagers. Um, and I love teenagers. I, I, everybody has all these problems, and I know they're moody, but I still love teenagers and I like to listen to their stories and I and I am a good listener but then I always try to bring them back to God and they kind of wonder how that went well and then maybe we'll have another conversation again when we have discipline no discipline seems pleasant at the time but we can't we can't know what the fruit that will come from it like cutting the grapes vines back 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 there's nothing but sticks left but then when the spring comes and like the good comes and the water grows into something beautiful. So always encourage with the word, I'd say, and pray for them because maybe nobody ever prayed for them out loud with them. You you did with your children, but maybe the children that I run into, somebody never even taught them about prayer. And they're like, they listen and they're interested and they're, they're thinking about it. And uh, a lot of teenagers that I meet, and I'm meeting a lot of meet teenagers, that some don't know anything, but they're still really open to listening. And they live in a hard culture because it's so right there and it's so distracting. And I don't, I, I feel for them because it's if I had to be distracted like that and trying to go to school and trying to be a teenager, it would be hard. So have sympathy for them. All right. And then last, I just want to tell you, pray without ceasing. Pray for yourself. Pray for your husband. Pray for our country. Pray for your children every day. So we're going to close with the Lord's prayer. So say it with me if you want. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
that the kingdom come, that it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, and forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.